Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. Well, as we celebrate Easter in exile, I have prepared a sermon of hope. This is my 39th Easter sermon, and this is the strangest of all. This is so unusual. Uh, It's Easter in exile, and we're in exile because of a global pandemic that has now claimed over 100,000 lives, 20,000 in America. Uh, We're at the point now where we are seeing 2,000 people a day in America die of coronavirus. So it's to the dead and dying of coronavirus that I dedicate my sermon for this Easter, the resurrection of the dead ones. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the resurrection of holiness, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead ones. By the resurrection of the dead ones. Let that phrase seep deep into you. By the resurrection of the dead ones. Anastasis necros, the resurrection of the dead ones. That's exactly what Paul says. That's exactly what he means. He uses that phrase four times, once here in Romans and four times in in, uh, 1 Corinthians. Now, by saying the resurrection of the dead ones, Paul doesn't merely mean that Jesus was raised from the dead. That's true, but that isn't exactly what he's trying to say. And neither is he trying to say that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God by being raised from the dead. That's true enough. But what the Apostle Paul is really saying is that the gospel is this. In his resurrection, Jesus Christ resurrects the dead ones. In his resurrection, Jesus Christ resurrects the dead ones. That is good news. That's why we say Happy Easter, because in his resurrection, Christ resurrects the dead ones. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not a one-off personal victory for Jesus so that the Jesus story has a happy ending. That's not what it's about. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has cosmic implications. It's not just a personal victory, a one-off phenomenon for one person. No, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has cosmic implications, no less than new heavens and new earth. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the event that guarantees the resurrection of the human race. This is what the apostles and the early church taught and emphasized. But somewhere along the way, in Western theology, both in the Protestant and Catholic world, this emphasis began to be diminished. It almost has been lost. 
In the Orthodox East, they've held on to that a bit more strongly. But it's time for us to recover the gospel message that the resurrection of Christ is that which guarantees the resurrection of the dead ones. And so I'm dedicating this Easter sermon to the dead from this pandemic because their story is not over. So let's look at what the Gospels, the Apostles, and the early church had to say about the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of the dead ones. A moment ago, uh, we just heard from Pastor Derek reading the gospel account of the resurrection in Matthew. Obviously, that was pre-recorded because he would be soaking wet, <laughs> maybe blown away. It's, there's a storm out there now, but that was recorded a day or two ago. And so, Pastor Derek, good job reading to us the gospel of Matthew, the account of the resurrection. And we're told that early on the first day of the week, following the Sabbath, that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. And while they are coming to the tomb, there was a great earthquake because an angel descended from heaven and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. The angel did not roll away the stone to let Jesus out. Jesus didn't need any help getting out. It wasn't like, you know, he was raised from the dead, but hey, I'm locked in here. No, the angel rolls back the stone so that we can see in. So we can see that the tomb is empty. So that Mary and Mary can see that the tomb is empty. And so there were guards there, you know. There were guards. Roman guards were stationed there. Strong, brave Roman soldiers. But when they saw the angel, they went into a dead faint. They became like dead men. They weren't dead. Jesus doesn't kill people. But they became like dead men. They went into a dead faint. And there they were. And the angel speaks to the two Marys and says, you know what the angels always say, fear not. Fear not. I know why you're here. You're looking for Jesus. But guess what? He's not here. He's been raised just like he said, now, go tell the boys, go find the boys, the apostles, you know, go tell the mighty men of God hiding out for fear, go tell them that, I, that Jesus is raised and they should go to Galilee and they'll see him there. And so they head off to preach the Easter message that Christ has risen and on their way, suddenly Jesus appears to them and he says, rejoice. And they're, of course, startled and he says, fear not. Amen, fear not. Fear not because we have finally been delivered from the fear of death and all fear is in some form the fear of death. Christ is risen from the dead and he has saved us from the fear of death. So he says on that first Easter, fear not. But that's not the only story of Easter resurrection in Matthew's gospel. Oh no, listen to this. And the earth did quake, and the rocks were split, and the tombs burst open, and many bodies of the sleeping saints were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Jesus was not raised alone, but his resurrection launched other resurrections. And the select saints that were raised with Jesus 
in Jerusalem on that first Easter are but a token of what is to occur for the entire human race. Jesus himself said, Very truly I tell you, the hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Do not be astonished at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and will come out. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's good news. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But saved from what? Saved from what? Saved from that which threatens to make God's good world an absurd tragedy. Death. Jesus Christ joined humanity that he might save the human race from the dominion of death. Listen to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is the great apostle of resurrection, theologically. I mean, they're all preaching the resurrection, but Paul is the one who does great theological work with it. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians. Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by a human came death, by a human also came the resurrection of the dead ones. Anastasis Necros. For by a human came death, by a human also came the resurrection of the dead ones. For as in Adam all die, so also will all be made alive in Christ. Wow. Now this helps us understand what is called the harrowing of hell. The, dis the distressing of hell, the freaking out of hell, <laughs> the harrowing of hell. God in Christ became mortal, all right? Let's have some good theology on Easter Sunday. Jesus Christ is very God of very God, fully human, fully divine. He's not half and a half. He's not half God, half man. He's entirely human and entirely divine. And God in Christ became mortal that he might, as a mortal, but he's also full of God, enter into Hades, Sheol, hell, death. Because that's the fate of all mortals, right? I mean, to be human is to be mortal, which means that you're going to die. You're subject to death. And so Jesus Christ became a mortal. He took on flesh. He assumed humanity. But having, and so that means he's, he's going to die. Jesus was always going to die. The moment he's conceived and takes on flesh in the womb of Mary, he's, he's ultimately going to die. But having entered into Hades or hell or Sheol or death, Christ comes as the divine one who is not subject to death and cannot be killed and liberates the dead ones. In the Apostles' Creed, what do we say about Jesus? He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried, and he descended to the dead. Jesus Christ descended into the realm of the dead. But he did not descend as a victim. He did not descend as a subject. Jesus descended into death as a conqueror. 
It was an invasion. It was not death, yet claiming just another victim from which there is no escape. It was Jesus Christ, God in flesh, invading the realm of death. Oh, I love that. Here's what, uh, here's what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians about this. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all things so that he might fill all things. So Paul says that before Christ ascended into the heavens, he descended to the dead so that Christ might fill all of the universe with himself and with his salvation because Jesus is salvation. Salvation is not, is not an object that Jesus gives you, a token to get into heaven. Salvation is Christ. He is the wisdom of God, the power of God, the mercy of God, the salvation of God. And Jesus descended to the very depths. He descended into death and also ascended into the highest heavens that he might fill everything, all things everywhere with himself and bring salvation and restoration to the universe. Or as he says in 1 Corinthians, that God might be all in all. That's the grand culmination of resurrection in Paul's resurrection theology in 1 Corinthians 15. That when it's all said and done, what happens is God becomes all in all. The final enemy to be defeated is death. And then, and then Christ delivers up the kingdom to the Father. And then God becomes all in all. Well, if God becomes all in all, where is death? Death is no more. Death is banished. Because now all of creation, not just human creation, but all of creation, this is Romans 8 stuff, all of creation is drawn into participation in the divine. Theosis of all of creation, and now death is a thing of the past and does not belong to God's good creation anymore. Now the Apostle Peter, he has something to say in 1 Peter 3. He says, and this is, this is just this is amazing stuff, the Apostle Peter says that Christ went into the prison of death and preached to the spirits in prison. That's crazy. The Apostle Peter says that when Christ descended into death, that he went to a place where spirits were held captive in death and he preached to them. That has to be the greatest sermon of all time. <laughs> I mean, come on, I'm doing my best. I'm trying. I'm preaching to an empty sanctuary, looking right into a camera, doing the very best I can to preach a good Easter sermon. But I already know the greatest Easter sermon ever preached, and it's the one that Jesus preached in the realm of the dead. He came and he made proclamation, it says. I'm here to proclaim that death is defeated and you are liberated. It's the greatest Easter sermon there will ever be. Um... And the early Christians, I got to, the early Christians, they loved this text. And there are so many sermons. I read a bunch of them this week of these sermons like from the third, fourth, fifth, sixth centuries where they, they, they're very playful with it. And they have, this is a common theme. And so Satan 
has taken Jesus and brought him down to death. And death is personified. Hades, that's the God of death. And death says, whoa, hold on. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Uh, oh, I'm bringing you another victim. Yeah, who is that? Is that Jesus? Yeah, that's Jesus. I don't think you should bring him in here. Oh, no, it'll be fine. We've got him now. We'll just lock him away here. You can have him death. You're the, you're the jailer. Just keep him. And he says, this is the guy that's been stealing people from me. I don't know if we should let him in. And there's this back and forth. And finally, death says, okay, and let's Jesus. Jesus in, and when Jesus comes in, there's an explosion of light. And, and then, you, you know, they, the different preachers preach it different way. They're creative in their sermons. But I like the one where, where Isaiah is the first one. Isaiah's down there, a prisoner of death. And he says, that's the one I was talking about. That's the one. I said that in the gloomy places of darkness, a light will shine. That's him. They love that stuff, and I do too. Amen. And so they preach sermons like that. Here's a, here's a second century, early second century Christian hymn. I already quoted it. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death and upon those in the tombs bestowing life. That was their favorite hymn of the early Christians. Uh, Ambrose in the year 379, he says this. If Christ did not rise for us, then he did not rise at all since he had no need of it himself. In him the world arose, in him heaven arose, in him the earth arose, for there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Rock on Ambrose, that's good preaching. And then the most popular preaching of the early Christians was Chrysostom, which that was his nickname, it means golden mouth. He was such a good preacher, they said, that guy's got a golden mouth. And he says this in around the year 400, Christ is risen and life reigns. Christ is risen and not one dead remains in a tomb. For Christ being raised from the dead has become the first fruits of them that have slept. The most common way that the early Christians spoke of, of the resurrection in their sermons, in their, in their songs was like this. They said it like this. This is how, this is how early Christians explained the meaning of Christ's death. I emphasize that there's not just one meaning. There are, there are a myriad of meanings to Christ's death. But this is the most common way that early Christians spoke about it. They said that uh, the flesh of Jesus was the bait and his divinity was the hook. And that death saw that Jesus was mortal and dared to take the bait to swallow Jesus as a mortal who has flesh, but in so doing swallowed the hook of divinity. And that what happened was is that, is that hell, death, Hades, slowly is being poisoned and is, and is collapsing and eventually all death will be gone. I say it this way, that death dared to swallow divinity but death cannot digest divinity and so death itself is now doomed all right so maybe maybe you're not up on your patristics maybe you've not read a lot of chrysostom and ambrose and Irenaeus and athanasius okay how about movies <laughs> watch any movies you say pastor i'm watching movies like all day long now well okay how about uh how about this is a great theological movie i like to watch you know movies that are worth it and, and have substance and I'm talking about Men in Black. Yes, yes, Men in Black. Agent J, Agent K, Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith, 1997 version. I don't know about these remakes. I haven't seen them. Don't know about those. 
But that movie, I like that movie, but the great thing is the final scene, the climactic scene, really, the climactic scene. Remember what's happened. There's a, and if, if you haven't seen Men in Black, you're not going to understand this, but that's, that's on you, not on me. I mean, you just got to watch some movies now and then. So we have Agent J and Agent K, and they're defending New York and planet Earth from invasions from outer space, and there's a bug in New York, a galactic cockroach. And its, it's specialty is death. Everywhere it goes is death. They say, with a bug in town, we'll keep our eyes on the morgue. Remember the bug? He's dressed in an Edgar suit. <laughs> and there's that final moment when Tommy Lee Jones confronts the bug that is death. And what does he say? He taunts the bug by saying, eat me. Eat me. And finally the bug does. Swallows Tommy Lee Jones whole. And what happens the bug is destroyed from the inside out. That's exactly the way the early Christians understood the death of Jesus Christ. That Jesus taunted death by becoming a mortal, and death dared to swallow up Jesus, but then death is destroyed from the inside out. Because when God goes down into death, well, only one is going to come out alive, and it's not going to be death. Amen. All right, well, the early Christians, they didn't have any movies, uh, but they did have icons. And I have brought one of my resurrection icons from my study into the sanctuary, and uh, we've got some we can put up on the screen. But I love the anastasis, the resurrection icons. There's a lot going on in these things. Um, in a resurrection icon, and these are from early Christianity, Jesus is never shown rising from the dead alone. That's important. There, you, you do not find in early Christian iconography of the resurrection, Jesus, you know, just striding out of, the, out of the tomb and nobody's there. No, Christ is always shown as raising other suits. So there's always a crowd of people. There's usually, there's, there's David, that's the older king, and then there's, uh, there's Solomon. John the Baptist is usually there. You can spot John. He's got the wild and crazy hair. The apostles are there oftentimes, but most significantly, who is there is Adam and Eve. That man and that woman, who are they? That's Adam. That's Adam. It means humankind. That's Eve. It means life. Humankind and life in the figures of Adam and Eve are being raised from this. Notice they're coming up out of their, they're bursting up out of their tombs. What is, what is the icon saying? It's saying that in Christ, Humanity is raised up out of death. And notice, notice that Jesus grabs them by the wrists. It's in every resurrection icon, you'll find Adam and Eve being raised by Christ, and he grabs them by the wrists. Why? Because they're not saving themselves. They're not reaching out and grabbing Jesus. Jesus is reaching down and grabbing them and pulling them up. In a lot of resurrection icons, there's a cross. Not in this one. But in a lot of them, there are. But Jesus usually doesn't hold it. Usually there is an angel in the background holding the cross because Jesus' hands are busy. He's busy pulling humanity out of their graves. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, let's see if I'm... Oh, here's the best part, maybe. Well, it's all great. Notice that Jesus is always kind of standing above... something. It looks like an X there at the bottom. Well, that's what that is. That's the gates of hell. And they have been broken and they've fallen down, broken, but they've fallen down in the form of a cross. Thus indicating that 
Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death. When death dared to kill Jesus on the cross, it spelled the doom of death. And so you see there, you see the gates of hell have fallen into the form of a cross. Beneath is the abyss. That's the abyss of hell, and it's, and it's filled with broken locks and broken keys and broken chains because it's indicating that the things that have held humankind in bondage have now been broken by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death is defeated, and in his resurrection, Jesus Christ resurrects the dead ones. Death is not what it once was. Death is not what it once was. Death is not what it once was, for death is now filled with divine presence. And so here's the good news of Easter. Yes, we are mortal. We've not, we've not fully entered into the resurrection of Christ. But here's the thing. Death is defeated. And so when, when a loved one dies, we sense their absence. Yes, of course. And we feel that as pain and loss and sorrow. But that is not their experience. Because death is now filled with divine presence. So for one to die is not to encounter death, but to encounter Christ as judge and Savior. To die is to encounter Christ, for He now fills all things everywhere with Himself. Before He ascended, He also descended, that He might fill all things everywhere with Himself, that God might be all in all. For people to die is not to encounter death, but to encounter Christ as judge and Savior. 